0: Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor oh, do it, do it.
1: Uh, Rutkowska. Excited to be here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, you're the CEO uh, of Leader Press. It's a, it's a great idea. I mean, basically, 10 to 15 hours is one of the plans you offer, or a couple of the plans where you can basically put together a book for an individual and I guess get them a, a bestseller like it's guaranteed?
1: Yeah, that's it. Uh, all we need is an entrepreneur with a book idea, and we can help uh, turn that into a bestselling book in about 15 hours of your time. And we'll get it into bookstores, into brick-and-mortar stores because we have distribution with Simon & Schuster. That's one of the largest publishers in the U.S., and we can also get the books on bestseller list, either Amazon or Wall Street Journal or USA Today. You know, the campaign will depend on your goals, and uh, we can make that happen.
0: Wow, that's impressive. Well, we'll, we'll dive uh, into that a little bit later. But more about you, I guess. So, I mean, you you first started, it sounds like, for yourself, right to to build your build your brand, uh, and then kind of veered into this avenue, correct? Correct. Yeah. So let's talk about a young alinka who's a young alinka was she a writer was she a entrepreneur what was who was that Who was that person
1: how young are we talking about huh
0: well talk talk young i mean sometimes people bring it all the way back to like teenagers some people bring it back to, to college don't bring it back or university i guess some bring it back later so i mean when you just say younger i mean how would you describe a, a young a young you <clears throat>
1: I guess um I could go as young as elementary school where okay. I now see that I had the entrepreneurial mindset
0: yeah
1: because I remember there was a school newspaper there was only one and I didn't like it very much and so I thought how about uh we give them some you know we create some competition here and uh, create our own school newspaper so oh, wow. I really liked the idea of writing the articles and then um, you know, I was, I was in, in elementary school, so the computers the, you know, computers just started you know, coming in for general use. And I really enjoyed the typing experience, the fonts, the layout, printing it out. Uh, my parents are university professors, so they had you know, all the equipment at home. I could print uh, A4 paper papers out, then I could stitch it all together. I print like 50 or 100 copies and distribute it at school and get paid. That was my favorite part. But then, really quickly, I discovered that other kids would come to me and say, hey, can I write something for the paper? And I was was like, well, yeah. I mean, that's less work for me. (laughs) So they started writing articles and uh, other, you know, elements of newspaper, whatever goes into a newspaper. And uh, it was my little business at school. So that was, I mean, now I run a, uh, a publishing house. And it's pretty similar. I mean, I don't actually stitch the papers together, but it's editorial and it's entrepreneurial. So you can see that in me at a very young age.
0: Okay. So elementary school. Wow. Mm-hmm. So why, why did you dislike the current paper that they had at that time that made you say, I need to do that? Was it a negativity there or a positivity on your end? I mean, where was that mindset coming from?
1: You know, I thought, um, uh, why are they the only ones to distribute what they think? Like, I have my opinions. I don't agree with them. I want to, you know, show people what I think um, they should be focusing on or opening up their minds to. I think it was, like, ideological.
0: Well, what, so how did your pl- parents play a factor into the decision? Was it, okay, I don't like what they're saying. Did they give you the idea or was it all you?
1: They were very supportive. My mom especially was very supportive. So she would help and say, how about you create this section or that section? Uh, Maybe a contest, maybe some jokes. I was like, I'm not good at jokes. Well, your friends could be. And uh, so, yeah, she encouraged it a lot. And uh, I think that's important to have that support system, whether you're at school or whether you're an entrepreneur.
0: Well, okay. Now you're, you're in elementary school. How long did this keep going for this business that you're building?
1: Uh, I don't remember. Uh, two, three years for sure.
0: Okay. And then did you extend it when you got into like university or what happened next after after that?
1: Uh, no, I didn't extend it. I always did some some type of jobs, but mostly like helping other kids with their schoolwork, that type okay. of stuff. Okay. So it wasn't particularly entrepreneurial. It was one-on-one, but I always liked my independence and, you know, my own money, even though my parents always supported me I still wanted to say I'm going to do this because I want to and I don't need to ask you you know for permission but I was a good kid I didn't use it for some weird purposes I'd use it to go on vacation or go abroad and study a foreign language um, so I think it was a matter of independence I have the freedom to do what I want to do
0: now now after schooling kind of what happened next so year you're, you're making money helping kids with their work your colleagues and then you go to university what happened after that?
1: I still continued that for a little bit and then I had to stop because, you know, it wasn't feasible anymore. I focused a lot on my studies and then uh, towards the end of uh, university, I found an internship at a multinational corporation abroad, which for for me abroad was Italy. And uh, that was just so exhilarating to me because it was Royal Dutch shell and, you know, it's just a dream come true. That's everything I ever wanted to do. And, um, I mean, I was in love with the idea and I was in love with the experience at first as well. So, uh, that wasn't particularly entrepreneurial. It was more, you know, businessy. That's, that's what I studied to do. So, uh, I was in the corporate world for a while.
0: Was that your intentions just to, to make a living or was it to go up the ranks or what was your idea?
1: To go up the ranks. <laughs> okay. I wanted to go up the ranks. I started, um, <clears throat> as an intern and, uh, there were, the, there were these fast track programs in various um, uh, corporations, and somebody advised that this is the best way to actually climb the corporate ladder. So I applied to these various programs, and I got accepted to Whirlpool, um, and I was really excited about that. I had uh, like three different positions, and you know the aim of this program was to um, grow future leaders of the business. But after three years, I left. So you know the plan didn't work. <laughs> Why did you leave? Well, I left because you know, they invested so much in me. Uh, I did several courses, <clears throat> periods abroad. There was just so much investment into uh, people in those in these programs. I left because after I did the program, they put me in, a, well, not too bad of a position. I was um, working directly with the vice President of operations, so a pretty big deal. But as this was coming to an end, I was looking to do something else, something that I enjoyed doing. And they just kept uh, pushing me to go and interview internally for positions that I didn't want. Uh. And that kept on going for a while. I said, I don't want this position. And they would say, you go interview anyway. You don't know if you want it or not. <laughs> and so that was going on for a while. And there was just um, such a big disconnect between my vision of you know what I could do and And the reality of, you know, this is your slot. This is your box. This is what you could potentially be responsible for and nothing else. At a certain point, I just managed to leave and even got paid to leave. So that was uh, pretty neat at the time.
0: Well, when you said you had an idea of what you wanted to do, do you recall what that idea was?
1: Yeah. At the time, um, I was really into the uh, Six Sigma stuff. So like... um, Improving processes, Uh, for example, you know, in factories where there's waste, how to improve those processes, but not necessarily in fact. I mean, it could be also in offices like there's just so much waste in in, in these offices. I'm not going to go into details, but there's a lot you can improve and optimize. And they didn't want me to do that, Um, even though there was a position that was not being filled. They said, well, you know, we're not filling it right now, but I, I saw it was vacant and uh you know this just continued this uh my dissatisfaction and they're sort of trying to forcibly put me somewhere i didn't want to go and so i decided contrary to uh, my my father's uh ideas i decided to leave
0: do you think if they would have gave me that position at that company you'd still be there today
1: (sighs) i think so probably it would just happen later.
0: <laughs> well, now, talking about that, your father basically was saying to to stay with the company. What was that conversation like? And what was your kind of strong mindedness to say, no, I need to do something else?
1: Well, the conversation was, uh, he, he would say, you know how many people would kill for your job? <laughs> that was what he was saying. And uh, I I knew he was true, but... I told at one of those jobs, job interviews that I didn't want to go to, I, I told my potential boss, because he said, so, you know, why do you want this position? I said, I don't want this position. In fact, if I got it, I think a part of me would die every day.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's what I, what, what I said in his face. And then I go back to HR, and HR is like, yeah, so he thinks you're skilled enough, but he's... Um, Has some doubts about your motivation? I'm like, oh, some doubts?
0: (laughs) I mean, were you not afraid of of getting fired, getting let go and and going? No,
1: Uh, I mean, uh, I couldn't really get fired because I was in Italy and the um, contract that I have was I was not fireable. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. Uh, But, you know, then uh, we came to an agreement where they paid me to leave.
0: And then they paid you to leave. And what was the next plan? Did you already have a plan in place? Because it sounds like you were done with them and you had <laughs> an idea of where you wanted to do or where you wanted to go. So did you have a plan in place what you are going to do next?
1: Yeah. I started writing a book while I was still there and I self-published it. And that book brought me in royalties more than my corporate salary. Wow. So that was also a reason for me to leave. I thought, you know, I could do it on my own. I don't need you guys.
0: What was, what was the, that first book about?
1: It was a self-help book that I don't really talk about anymore. (laughs) It was my first book, a little bit of my internal journey, Uh, but it was uh, pretty well received. You know, Uh, I had a marketing background because I studied marketing and management and, you know, as an intern, I was in the marketing department, so, and also a little bit trial and error, I was able to. She marketed pretty well. So I know now that it's naive to think you can live off of the royalties of one book for the rest of your life. But, you know, at the beginning, it was it is so exciting. And, you know, the revenue coming in was uh, motivational for me to to leave and um, try to figure did, things out on my own.
0: Did you feel at that time when writing? Because I think a lot of people, I mean, m- maybe not to that degree, but they have imposter syndrome. Right, saying, "Oh, I don't know enough about this. so Why can I teach this, or why should I tell this?" Was there ever a thought, or uh, when you're writing that self-help book, that well, maybe I don't have enough information about it, or did you feel really <laughs> confident?
1: I don't think I suffer from imposter syndrome. Probably the opposite. <laughs> uh, I think I can sell myself pretty well. One of my one of my um, uh, supervisors told me that, and when I was still in work, but like you can really do good marketing of yourself is how he he told me this in Italian. And this is my, uh, my translation. I was like, I can market myself. Um, I like to learn. And by writing the book and exploring those topics, I was learning a lot. So that was, uh, that gave me a lot of satisfaction. Uh, I'm just a lifelong learner. Anything I can learn that interests me uh, gives me a lot of satisfaction. So, you know, uh, I've referenced certain sources or, you know, inspirations. So I didn't feel like an imposter because I said, you know, this guy says so and so. And my experience is this and that. And so I wasn't really inventing anything or pretending I knew any, anything I didn't. I just, uh, you know, explaining things, how how I saw the world.
0: When, when you talk about the idea of the confidence in yourself and selling yourself, do you, do you know where that comes from or have you thought about that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think at university they uh, molded us into pretty confident creatures. Because mm. uh, I went to the uh, top business school in Poland, and I remember the dean on the very first day. You know, you come in, you're pretty. I, I mean, uh, you don't really know what to you expect. You're pretty green, and the dean says, "In this university, we don't uh, form or we don't shape employees. We shape employers." And, you know, this was like the first thing he said. It was never uh, my intention to become an employer or, you know, or to become an entrepreneur when I went to university. I was looking into climbing the ladder in the corporate world. But but it just stuck with me, you know, like one of the first things you hear, there were, I don't know, 500 or 1,000 people in this huge, huge room. Um, and those were the things they were saying, you know, they were really telling us how amazing we are. Uh, I don't know if that was part of, you know, their um, culture. Another phrase they would say was we, as in the, you know, the students and alumni (laughs) have always ruled our ruling in this country, this country. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So they just keep feeding. They keep feeding us with these things. And uh, hearing that for five years, I sort of started believing (laughs) it.
0: Well, I mean, and, and I guess it's similar to affirmations and and confidence. Do you have any children, by Sam's?
1: Yes, two.
0: Two. How I mean, how do you weigh that out of building confidence in a in a young one or anything in your in your in your employees, like, uh, and also have them to, to self realize and be okay with failing? Because I guess the more confident you are when you do fail, it's probably harder to kind of get back up. So how do you balance balance that out?
1: Uh, I think it's just a philosophical approach of recognizing that um, success doesn't, you know, success is not the opposite of failure. Like, success comes because of failure. Like, failure is part of success. That's what I yeah. have to say. Okay? So, uh, you know, just realizing that I, uh, I go, I, I started horseback riding this year. So it's been like eight months, and I took part in a like a competition at home and uh it didn't go very well <laughs> so i was very disappointed and uh you know for the first time yeah they saw me pretty disappointed and they're like oh wow you're human like i didn't know you were human because you seemed like okay. uh, detached and like you know nothing can nothing can uh you know hurt you or... but uh you know it was a huge disappointment and then i had to sort of brainwash myself saying you know Okay, so what am I going to learn from this? You know, those that won didn't learn anything. I, however, learned to next time do this, do that. And I can see my son um, playing a game on his iPad. He's six years old. Uh, actually, uh, I downloaded Prince of Persia because that was something I was playing like 30 years ago. And uh, when he, whenever he lost, like he was really really aggressive, you know, trying to throw things around, completely disappointed. And I was trying to explain to him, well, it's okay. So next time when you see this obstacle thing, you know, what can you do that didn't work? So the, I was, you know, trying to explain to him to learn from his little little failures. I don't know if if that sunk in because he was, you know, crazy screaming that he lost. But then the next time he tried, he won. So he was happy. And I think if you you know keep saying that after maybe the hundredth time, it will sink in, and they will understand that failure is part of success.
0: So have confidence and understand that failure allows you to get closer to success. Yes. What now? Going back to your your uh, your first book, what happened next? So you put your first book out, you're getting the royalties. You are you just enjoying it, just sitting back? You know, I'm making good money, or is it? You know, I need to do another book. What was the plan at that point
1: i always i like to do stuff um entrepreneurial stuff and so uh, at that time i wanted to have kids so i decided i'm gonna write a, a children's book and then that turned into children's book series picture book then i started marketing those book going to book fairs i got a deal with a chinese publisher they um bought licensing rights for the whole series 15 books translated that published in China. I got a really great check for that. And, um, and then I had kids and at a certain point, uh, you know, as I was doing all the marketing, more and more authors were coming to me and saying, Hey, can you do this for my books, like what you're doing for yourself? And so I started, yeah, so I started developing some like services to help them, like one on one, mostly like one on one, I was doing a lot for them in probably not charging a lot at the time. So like my first clients got a really great deal, like unheard of. And um, that went on for a while. I was trying to put like digital courses and um, some more one-on-one, a group thing, a summit. I was was learning the digital marketing thing. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, I came across Dean Jackson and he was putting together a mastermind in London in 2017. I remember I went there and he asked us a question. He said, if money wasn't an issue, like the, the price of the service, <clears throat> what could be the highest value thing that you could offer to your clients? And that time, I remember that, you know, the people that were coming to me asking for help with their book, their books were often terrible. They were, they were terribly positioned. They had terrible covers. They were not written well. And I had to tell them that and ask them to make the tweaks. So I thought, well, what if I could be there from the beginning? If they had the book idea and I could help them position it, you know, they would write it or I could get somebody to write it for them. And then I could come back and help them with the marketing. Like that way I could really do a good job. And, and that's how, you know, Leaders Press came along. Then there was a matter of what's the niche? Who will you be doing this for? So to me, it was a no-brainer that it's going to be business business people because I love business always, you know, studied it, always enjoyed it. And, uh, during that mastermind, I remember, I thought, well, what, what could it be called leaders press? Well, let's see if the URL is available. I checked it somewhere like a GoDaddy or something. And I was like, well, how does leaders press sound? And Dean said, I can't believe the URL is still available. Get it now. So I got it right then and there. And uh, you know that same year, that was towards the end of the year. That same year, we already started working on a first book for clients. And now, like four years later, we're a seven-figure business. So, it was a good idea to go to
0: London. <laughs> now? Those first clients you had, how were they find you? Were they they saw your book? Was it social media? I mean, what were they finding originally? Those first clients.
1: We would uh, reach out to them. Okay. Uh, yeah. And our main platform has been since the beginning, LinkedIn.
0: Okay. So you, was it you, your, yourself was your team reaching out to them saying, Hey, have you ever thought about writing a book or what was that sales pitch? Do you recall?
1: Yeah. Well, the first, uh, the way we got started was we invited them to be part of an anthology for free, where we would interview them and put that anthology together and launch it. So they had an opportunity. To be in a book without any expense. Mm. And um, at you know, when we would interview them at the end, we would say, Hey, well, have you thought about doing your own book? We could, you know, do a whole book for you. Mm. And that worked. Um, but you know, after a while it stopped being we did that for three years, I think. Yeah. Wow. So th- this year we just continued this, and uh, we have much more sophisticated lead generation strategies right now.
0: Okay, and, and, and the you talked about the ghostwriter, getting a ghostwriter. How do you find good ghostwriters? Was it their website? was putting ads out there? Word of mouth? Or what was your process?
1: It's not very easy. <laughs> it's not easy to find a good ghostwriter. Uh, we, you know, We look at the various websites that are out there, like try to find somebody off of Upwork or FreeUp and then have them come on board and, and be part of our team. Hmm. or um, just, just keep our eyes open and see if somebody writes a really good piece somewhere. We might reach out and say, Hey, have you considered, you know, writing something else too? So we're constantly on the lookout for good ghostwriters. It's I think the most um, difficult position to fill uh, in, in, in our company.
0: Well, I mean, building a company, because I mean, one thing when you're writing your books by yourself is another thing to lead people. And probably it's a lot different than when you were building your brand in elementary school. I mean, how was the process like of being a leader doing the hiring process, having those hard talks? What was that process like for you?
1: You know, it's really, it's really exciting because I started um, 2017 was myself an assistant who then also started interviewing and in the ghostwriter. writer. Now we're like 30 people mm. um, So at the beginning I was the salesperson and I was the lead gen person and I was the marketing person and I was the person replying to my emails and doing my LinkedIn, just doing everything. Now I don't do any of that. Now my job is to make sure it's done. So it's a huge, a huge mindset shift. It's going from, I have full control over everything and full responsibility because I am doing everything to, I trust this person to do it. I trust this person to lead their team to achieve my goals. Uh, I know what motivates this person, what inspires them, how I can make sure they do their best work. So it's a completely, you know, my job description now is completely different from what it was three years ago when I was still CEO of them. It's the same position, different job description.
0: And now you, you said that, um, you know what expires them, you know what gets and kind of pushes them, what keeps them going. How do you know that stuff? What's your process like to, to find those, that information?
1: Well, I talk to my team members. Um, I have four, five that directly report to me mm-hmm. and uh, I ask them these questions. I want to know, like, so, like, what is important to you? Is it the freedoms, the free time? Is it, uh, you know, the money? Like, if we're going to achieve... Uh, common goals how would you like to be rewarded so i just so I, I want to know these things from them i think it's the communication is what really allows us to work well and if we've had people leave what i see like and it's usually just lack of communication people who are not expressing what's important to them or maybe expecting others to read their minds like no you have to you have to speak up You have to say what you need you need more free time uh, you need time off, you need more money, you need more support, you need more training, you need to feel included, you know, you want to do daily uh, huddles. So when people speak up and when we, I, create an opportunity for them to speak up, then I know it's going to work out. So now for me, it's really, it's leading the team. So really from becoming a one, almost one woman show to, uh, you know, much more of what a leader is.
0: <laughs> was that was that process of getting that mindset together? Was that difficult? Did you have help in that? Or, or did that kind of work through? How do you get there?
1: Uh, it was pretty organic because it happened from scratch. You know, I wasn't transported from being an intern <laughs> to <laughs> to this place here today.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think the things that really helped was being in uh, various masterminds and you, groups of entrepreneurs who are more successful than I am, and right. to hear them speak and uh, share their thought process, uh, that is.
0: I mean, for, I think for, I mean, a, a lot of business and a lot of entrepreneurs, there, it's not always the positivity. Was there any kind of like heartache, headache, uh, adversity that you feel that you kind of really went through through the process?
1: Yeah, there's usually something going on. <laughs> Uh, At a very young stage when we were still three people and we were ghostwriting our first books, our ghostwriter left. Uh. And it was pretty, you know, cold turkey, like I'm gone. And, you know, that was that was not easy. So, you know, we really had to find somebody equally good because that person was really good, really fast. And also understand what happened. Why did that happen? How can we prevent that from happening? How can we understand if our team members will stick for the long term? Uh, So that was a big learning experience. Uh, You know, we of course managed to uh, find another person and and keep our clients happy stall (laughs) for a while. Uh, But, but, you know, it it was a big blow. Um, Anytime a team member leaves is... uh, is difficult so now we have uh, developed contingencies so we know that if this person for any reason leaves we have backup we have another person that can take over so almost for any role uh you know it, it's possible to really quickly uh divide that person's responsibilities between the team member you know for almost everybody (laughs) not for everybody but um you know unless the whole team decides to leave (laughs) altogether, uh, I think we're um in a pretty good place
0: at that point of time when you lost that ghostwriter was there ever a moment where you go maybe I should go back to writing and and take care of this file or take care of these files
1: no I'm (laughs) I was never that good
0: um. as as a writer
1: as as she was so, like it was never um it was never a consideration for me to actually do the writing because that's just not right. my forte
0: i got you well if we' were talking at Lincoln, let's say in five years from now, I mean where do you see yourself where do you see your business going
1: oh, five years from now. <laughs> Um, you know, five years from now, from now uh, I, I wouldn't mind leading an eight-figure business. That would be pretty exciting. Um, you know, probably with a team that's, um, I don't know, two or three times larger than now. I don't think if lifestyle-wise uh, anything would change much. I am a pretty balanced person, and um, I think I have good boundaries in, in my team and Clients respect those. So I want to keep that balance in place. I think it's important. So I think I want to, you know, stay like half. If we talk again in five years, you might see a similar background. I already, you know, I, I like the life that I've built already. But, you know, I'm excited for more, to, to create more and, you know, more experiences, more more things that you remember when, when you're older. <laughs>
0: Do you do you see the book industry changing at all in those five years?
1: In five years, um, I'm sure there's going to be more audiobooks because uh, okay. those are you know the, that that part of the market has been growing for a while. And I don't know how much VR might actually oh. come into this space. I mean, there's there are talks about VR coming into you know virtual reality coming into different spaces. I don't really see it so much in the publishing space in the next five years.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, Maybe the next 20 years, that's going to be a completely different story. There's something uniquely special about paperback books, you know, paper. Like we have all this digital technology and the first thing our clients ask or, you know, when they're still at the sales calls are, you know, when will I get the paperback? Uh, will I get a paperback? Like they want to touch it, they want to give it away. No matter, it's just different to have a file on your phone, and and or it's to send somebody a file on, to their computer, and to actually be able to wrap something, you know, put a ribbon on it, give a present, write a dedication on the on, on the first page. So I think that's going to stay. Like people still read a paper. Newspapers, so I think books are going to stick around. Like paperback books are going to stick around, no matter how advanced the technology gets, and they might become even more valued the more advanced we get.
0: Mm. Well, I'll, I'll finish off with this question: If if you were talking to your younger self, that that little Alinka that started her um newspaper in elementary school is there any advice that you would give her to to better that brand or make it smoother or any kind of mindset you give her
1: uh you know when i was like i think even smaller like my seven maybe i remember having the thought what am i gonna be like when i'm 20 or when i'm 30. Mm-hmm. i remember i was thinking that what type of person am i gonna be where will i be and so it's really interesting to come back <laughs> the thought I would just say keep going I just keep mm. going you've got this like ask questions have the curiosity believe in yourself and um, envision and uh envision and believe and keep going I think it'll be pretty easy like that
0: <laughs> yeah I mean I think I mean believe I mean and I think everyone listening right here, I mean, there's so many great nuggets that I think Alinka uh, brought up as the idea of just having kind of positivity. Don't overstress out about something. If a failure happens, look at it as a positive. You're, you're, I think one of the quotes that you said was when you lost in that horse horseback riding event or horse, horse riding event was that because you lost and the other person won, right, they're not going to have the ability to learn anything from it. And I was like that. I mean, uh, a lot of people right now probably listen to that. And they go, oh, my gosh, I didn't get first place. But I mean, the way you looked at it, you churn that way you looked at it. Uh, thank you, Alinka, for, for being on the Road to Growth podcast. If someone's listening and they want to basically build a book, they want to reach out to you. What's the best way of them getting more information uh, about the process?
1: Mm hmm. The best way is to go to leaderspress.com slash discover. And then you'll go through a one minute quiz to see what type of book is best for you. And you'll also get an audiobook of my guide, Outsource Your Book, because I bet you're listeners. So you'll enjoy the listening part of it. So that's leaderspress.com slash discover.
0: Fantastic, and and that information, the link are in the is in the show notes. So please click that. Uh, please subscribe. Please share. Thank you for listening and, and to the good. road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.theenriquesgroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group signing off.